On the line with me now via Skype is a member of the former member of the Mets who was there that night on September uh, 21st, I believe it was. Uh, the first game back in New York City, the Mets are playing the Braves. And uh, he was a member of the Mets that night, a starting first baseman for their World Series team the year before. And, of course, his name is Todd Zeal. Todd, welcome to Game Over here on WCTC. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem at all. All right, Todd, let's get right into this. Um, the Mets are playing the Braves that night. We all know about the bitterness that the Mets and the Braves were going through at that time, the year before, they, uh, two years before they met in the playoffs. Uh, the year after that, the Mets won the pennant, and the Braves were kind of chirping a little bit that they didn't have to go through the Mets to get there. That's why they got the World Series. But what was interesting to me is that before the game started, the two teams met in the middle of the diamond. Can you kind of give us a little bit of an idea of what was being said between the players of two teams that didn't like one another at that time? Uh, yeah, you know what? The moment was um, different than any moment that I've ever really experienced in, in sports, whether professionally or non-professionally. Um, because we were coming together, yeah, we were rivals at that time. Uh, we were fighting our way back, the Mets were, that is. Um, to get back into that pennant race, and we had closed that gap about 10 games over the previous month. Uh, but honestly, um, that night, we weren't really thinking about the standings or um, the rivalry. We were just thinking about um, the loss that the country had suffered and um, the way New York City was coming together that night to welcome some normalcy back into um, the world of uh, New York City and the, the world of baseball. Well, you know, what were some of the comments that the players were giving to one another, whether it was you and Chipper or you and whoever? Well, it was more so just um, recognizing the fact that, um, you know, we were in New York City. We were closer to um, the, this than a lot of other people, and especially some of those guys in the Braves, wanted to know... Um, how we were doing, how the city was doing, if we'd had any chance to interact with the uh, with the firefighters. And um, they, they saw the hats we were wearing. They, I think by that time, had heard um, publicly that the commissioner in the first go-around had um, suggested that we not wear the hats of the, the fallen first responders. Um, I, you know, I just was the one quoted, but it was the team sentiment, but I was quoted as saying they'd have to come down and rip them off our heads. Um, but it was really more about just how are you guys doing? Did you have anybody affected? Are you, um, you know, can you believe uh, the circumstances we're under? And, hey, it's a, it's a hard thing to motivate yourself to play baseball when you see all these people surrounding you. Yeah, I, I heard you say that on a previous uh, show that the players uh, were really defiant about wearing the, the, the hats. I mean, did you get any backlash from the commissioner afterward? No, they really kind of left us alone, but, you know, the, the first game back, which people may not remember, was we had to go play the makeup game that we were supposed to play on uh, 9-11 back in Pittsburgh, so that was officially the first game back uh, for us. The first game back in New York was, you know, uh, days later on the 21st, uh, but in that game in New York, uh, I mean, in, the, in Pittsburgh, I had um, an FDNY hat and an NYPD hat. And a few hats that I had collected in visiting some of the families 
uh, the first responders, and I gave them out to a few of the guys, and a few of us were wearing them um, and decided at that point that we really wanted to have this be universal with the team. Um, but after that first one, we got a cease and desist. The commissioner's office saying that that, that didn't correspond with um, the Major League Baseball regulated uniforms, and we were not allowed to wear these hats in any uh, subsequent games. And that's the point that um, you know I ended up being quoted. Be like, yeah, as I said, I was the player rep, and I responded to it officially. Uh, so the commissioner and officially, publicly, and said that you know these are hats that are significant, and we're going to wear them the rest of the year, regardless of what fines um, or implications it may bring. Yeah, my uh, partner, John Pielli, just walked in. I'd like to introduce you to uh, Todd Zeal, the former uh, New York Met, John. Uh, you have any questions about that night? Because i got a couple. Hey, Todd, how you doing, man? Good to hear your voice. Good, good to talk to you. How are you? Hey, uh, listen, the first, first thing that comes to my head when I think of that, that night, obviously how tragic it was and how really, you know, we, we look back at it now 16 years later. And It's amazing, isn't it? You know, it's amazing that it's been that long, but it's, you know, it always leaves its imprint in our lives. And we all think about, you know, what we were doing when this, you know, when this, you know, tragic event occurred. Um, if you can, take the listeners back to to yourself. Uh, you know, what, what was it that brought your attention to what was going on? And what were you doing the moment of the 9-11 attacks? Uh, we were in Pittsburgh, and uh, we were, um, you know, we played a game the night before. We were preparing uh, for a game on, uh, on Tuesday 9-11. But um, we actually, you know, was uh, late night the night before, we were, uh, most of us in our rooms. Some of us had not woken up yet, or whatever, and got alerted to the to the news. I, I remember um, getting a call in my room um, and saying, "Hey, turn on the TV." And um, I turned it on between the first plane um, hitting the towers and the second plane hitting the towers, and obviously went from "Wow, this is a really crazy freak accident" to "Oh my gosh, there's something really going on here that's terrifying." Uh, changed. Uh, all of our perspective, I think, for the rest of that time on. But um, one interesting sort of side note was that the uh, the hotel in Pittsburgh uh, was connected to the uh, the federal building in Pittsburgh, and uh, wow. So um, as as the day went forward and the, the hour or two progressed, and Flight ninety three was not being able to be tracked, and it was off radar going towards. Uh, Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh in specific, um, there was thought that there could be more attacks um, like the ones that hit the towers of the Pentagon um, upcoming, and we were actually evacuated from our hotel and the surrounding area of the, the federal building, and we were um, shuttled on a bus and went to a small bedroom community of Pittsburgh about 15, 20 minutes away from the downtown area where we huddled in a uh, in a little cafe diner and watch the news unfolding as a team. You know, it's crazy because, John and Todd, I remember watching that thing all day long. I had stayed home. I was working nights at that time. And I stayed home because I wanted to watch the Giants. It was the first opening night football game that night, Monday night, the night before. And the Giants were playing Denver. And I remember watching stuff that morning, which I wouldn't have been home. I would have been still been working. And... There was so much uncertainty about where that fourth plane was that you're talking about, Todd, and the one that finally they revealed uh, crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. 
And, you know, so how long were you guys able, how long did they keep you in Pittsburgh before they finally let you guys at least uh, get out of there and go home? Well, we weren't able to go home until the next, um, the next night. Uh, obviously, there was no air traffic, and we, um, where there was a lot of the, the even the um, ground traffic to New York City was um, prohibited and, and being shut down. So we finally um, had to realize that the season was being suspended. Uh, we chartered a bus, and we... Um, we drove back, and one of the things that was the most chilling memories that I have of that whole time was, you know, being um, on a bus with a group full, you know, 25 ball players, and uh, actually the, some of the September call-ups and the staff and press, and um, having that bus ride for seven, eight hours, whatever it was, be different than any other bus ride I've ever been on before or since, and um, finally getting to... Uh, the edge of New York City, coming across the uh, the George Washington Bridge, and being able to look down uh, the Hudson towards uh, the towers and that initial sight of where the towers used to be, and it was just lit up with uh, with skylights and with um, smoke billowing in the air, and we could smell yeah. um, smoke all the way uptown. That that was a moment that I'll never forget. And the, the other thing about that moment that um, remains you know vivid in my memory was that there was absolute silence on the bus except for the sound of of tears and guys uh you know trying to hold back the emotion of the moment now i tell you 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 look back at something like that that happened and it's really hard to think about anything else other than you know the families of the people that are impacted and the first responders going out out of it you know putting their lives first to save uh, you know other people you know, you're you're a baseball player. That's what you do for a living. How are you and the other the other players best best able to put that aside and actually do what you do for a living and play baseball in the backlight of everything that's going on? Well, I think by the time it came around for us to get back on the field, and especially for the the nine eleven, what they call the nine eleven game, which was the twenty first back here in New York City. Um, there was such a bonding of uh, the city is something that I'll never forget and being in and around the city and just everybody sort of felt like they were part of the same community um, to support and rebuild each other and we spent um, time down at Ground Zero um, with uh, one time the mayor and with uh, you know the uh, the first responders and, and the, the firefighters um, that welcomed us in and I think the thing that resonated with me the most at that point is that I felt like I was invading into somebody's personal space because of the tragedies that these families and these firefighters uh, were undertaking and yet we were welcomed with such open arms and a feeling of hey we want to be able to talk to you about baseball and tell you stories about our childhood and our who we followed and get our minds off of what they're seeing on a 24-7 basis and that to us finally kind of unlocked that key like hey maybe it would be good for us to get back on the on the field and show this uh you know show the city that we're united and going back to uh to work and and bringing this america's pastime back to uh, the city that deserved it and make it a, a release point for the fans well i don't care whether you're a met fan or a yankee fan just to make it a release point for the fans to put 
what happened in the back of their minds, at least for a few hours. Now, I want to talk about the game itself that night. Uh, what was the feeling in the locker room before the game? Was there a special moment there where the players got together and said, you know, you as the player rep especially, where the players got together and, and you know, said, let's do this and let's get going again and let's get the people you know, you know, more focused on baseball instead of what was going on down in, in down in Lower Manhattan. Well, we we had a chance to work out a few times, and um, obviously to try to stay sharp. Um, we knew that there was going to be a lot of significance um, paid to that to that particular day, but um, the day of was really interesting because it, I've never seen security like that for a major league baseball game. You obviously have first responders all over were wearing the hats of the victims. We had victims' families on the field. We had Rudy Giuliani there to uh, to cheer us on. We had Diana Ross seeing God Bless America. It was yeah. a spectacle that was different than anything else we'd ever been a part of. Um, so from that perspective, there was a sense of this is something different. And I remember feeling at the time that this could be, that it was definitely the most significant game that I had played in to that point, it would probably be the most significant game I ever played in my career, and it proved to be. It unfolded in such a way that with Mike being the hero with that uh, home run and the way the crowd came and supported us, you know, there was a lot of speculation early on that the crowd was going to be afraid to be in um, an arena like that and in a stadium like that following the attacks, and it could lead us to a vulnerable situation, but 41,000 people showed up and had um, this amazing night that we're talking about 16 years later. You know, I've been watching Met games for many, many years. Like I told you, I was a Met fan going back to the late 60s, and LaGuardia Airport is right there. Did you get a feeling that every time a plane passed by, as close as they normally did back in those days at Shea, that the fans like were getting like, what, like what's that? Like you know, you know, or maybe even the players themselves. Was there kind of feeling of uneasiness every time a jet went by? That's, a, that's an interesting question and a weird dynamic that I think was actually a part of that because if you ask all the people that were there, there was some sense of relief to see airplanes flying in the air again because we knew that we were secure or had done things to secure the air space enough to start sort of entering that area of normalcy again. So airplanes flying over Shea was something that we dealt with every time we played at Shea and it was kind of like background noise um, of, of your kids playing in the, the living room when you're trying to watch TV. It was just something that, as a home player for the New York Mets, as a part of uh, the Shea Stadium lore, you kind of became used to it. So there was something familiar about it that actually was comforting, but at the same time, you couldn't help notice every time you saw a plane bank and turn towards uh, Shea Stadium and go up over us, that everybody in the stadium, I think, immediately went to, oh my gosh, uh, what we just went through, people on those airplanes started out the exact same way uh, 10 days ago, having no idea what their fate was. Yeah, Todd, uh, as as you're going through that ballpark that day, uh, obviously there's so many different things going on. You mentioned uh, Rudy Giuliani being there, first responders, Diana Ross, the whole thing. Was there anything that stands out in particular to you that you saw? You know, maybe maybe a family in a certain spot, or was there anything that that you, you kind of drew your attention to that maybe hasn't been talked about so much? Um, I don't know 
wasn't just one specific thing, but I think the thing that became difficult for anybody on the field to really um, hold back their emotions is when firefighters that had been down there searching, you know, for any sign of life for the previous 10 days had lost their brothers and lost their, um, you know, their brethren uh, as first responders were lined up on the field and the kids of some of the, uh, the fallen first responders, I think is what touched me the most. But, you know, I had had some direct interaction with a few of those uh, families already. And so, you know, mm-hmm. the hat that I wore was um, in honor of a, a family. And, a, and a, I got a, a specific shirt from um, a young child of a firefighter um, that was his dad's shirt that I still have to this day. So um, those are the things when they got on the field and you could see their appreciation and the fact that they were looking to a baseball game to take them just for a moment away from what they were suffering, uh, I think was as relevant or significant as anything that we saw. You know, uh, one quick thing. We only got a couple of minutes to go, and I know you have, uh, you know, you have a lot of other stuff to go on to, uh, to go to on this most solemn days that we have in this country right now. The Piazza home run, the the, the the lifting of everybody, you know, now let's go into the locker room after the game, you know, real quickly, you know, how much did that mean to that team? And especially hearing Chipper Jones, of all people who had a real hate relationship going with the Mets fans for a long time, said if there was any day that the Mets should beat us, it should be that day. Yeah, I mean, Chipper was not only... The, the fans hated him more than he hated the Mets because he was so dominant against us and he always did well. So um, we, we could tell the relevance of it, but that moment kind of capped off um, the reality that, you know, a 6-1 win without any kind of dramatics would have been a great win and it would have been a significant game, but it wouldn't have had the same kind of impact, I think, as a Piazza homer. And it was... It, it was you know, even if Ida hit it or Robin had hit it, um, it would have taken on a different sort of tone than Mike, who's kind of the hero of the city from a baseball standpoint, yeah. uh, taking that moment and the, you know, the curtain call. And after the game, I think we all just sat there realizing, at least I did, um, and some of the guys that I was really close to with this team um, sat and realized afterwards, hey, we were just a part of something that um, – will go down as something that we'll remember for the rest of our lives and that may be significant in the healing process of the city. Uh, that's really, that is some good stuff there right now. Todd, I want to run, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot, right, Todd. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, that's Todd Zeal, a former Met who was there that night in Shea Stadium. This is Mike Sanfilippo and John Pielli of WCTC 1450 Game Over. We'll be right back.